Hello, folks. Welcome to English 100, the writing and research workshop component to our English 101 class. Um, this is the first in a series that's coming right around week four um, because I wanted to get a sense in the first three weeks of class how you were keeping up with the work in 101 and to get a sense through a handful of these early attendance assignments, how you were progressing and how you're thinking about and engaging with the act of writing. So as we come up on our first major essay, I want to start using uh, 100 for its express purpose, which is to build up these practical skills and areas that will help you in English 101 and to firm up these moments and these protocols that you can apply to your own writing that will make not just your time in 101, but your time across uh, Richard Bland College or at Richard Bland College um, better and really effective. I want to talk a little bit about how to begin your essay. And uh, you'll have to refer to the description of our unit one essay that's due in week five. That's in our 101 Canvas shell and modules. But Maybe you're sitting there saying, I, I get that this is what the essay is about. I really don't get, however, how I'm supposed to start it. Where do I begin? What are the parts of an essay? Right? Parts of an essay in college um, are similar to those that you may have had practice with writing in high school, but their purposes are different. Uh, the way that we construct these things is a bit different, and there's not this rigid five-paragraph form that I think a lot of us have this intimate experience with, right? You have an introduction, three-body paragraphs, conclusion. Um, the body length is a lot more fluid. The introduction uh, has a lot more of a direct purpose, and the conclusion has a slightly different direction than I think that we're used to in high school. But let's go over all of those now. What is an introduction? Your introduction paragraph is supposed to prepare your reader for your argument, and in a broader sense, to prepare your reader for what you're going to talk to them about in the paper. It's where you define all your terms. It's where you give them all the information they might need as background or context so that they can read your paper and follow your argument or they're not asking a number of questions, right? What's this paper about? Um, what is the writer's interest in it? Um, what are they trying to argue? So the introduction has four solid things that are required. The first, and it's usually within the first sentence or two, it establishes the topic. What is this paper about, broadly speaking? If within the first two sentences of an academic uh, paper, your reader can't tell or is unsure about what the paper is about, and they have to read further on to figure out what is this person talking about, then you've immediately lost their interest. Right? You want to hook their interest um, by making it abundantly clear from the very beginning, this is what the paper is talking about. This is what you need to know before you can get into the specifics of my argument. Second is the setup. What specific things are we going to be focusing on? What might need defining? So for our unit one essay, you're picking out one of our texts and arguing whether it's effective in translating what it wants or not, right? So that topic sentence or two, the first sentence or two of your introduction, 
you would introduce that focus uh, for your reader, that this is going to be dealing with the effectiveness of texts. Now we need a little bit more setup for that, right? What do you mean by effective? What does effective look like? Um, what are the contours of this question that I need to be aware of? Third is your thesis statement. Um, there are lots of definitions of a thesis statement, but at its sort of most basic level and at the core, your thesis statement is the central point you want your reader to be convinced of. Your thesis statement usually has two parts, a topic and a comment, and we'll get to that in the next slide. The last is your evidence. It's usually the last sentence or two of your introductory paragraph. You're going to let your reader know or gesture toward what are you actually going to walk us through. So within the introduction, you've told us what this paper is about, what your specific interest in it is, or what the question you're trying to answer is, your answer to that question in the form of a thesis or your the main point you want us to walk away with, and then what you're going to be taking us through. So at the end of the first paragraph, uh, the reader should feel totally invested and aware of what you're going to be talk about, talking about, excuse me, and we'll be able to follow you from that point. Let's talk a bit now about the body of an essay. So each paragraph after the introduction should cover one, and I do mean one, point or piece of evidence that will either support or explain your thesis. So every paragraph after is doing something related to proving your thesis, right? That's your argument. You're saying that this piece is either effective or not, if we're using our unit one essay as an example. And if you're saying for another example, yes, I believe the piece that I chose was particularly effective for these reasons. You're going through each of those reasons, one reason per body paragraph. And uh, once we get to the fourth slide, or fifth slide, excuse me, I'll show you how to set those paragraphs up in the body so that you're working with evidence, you're interpreting it for your reader, and then transitioning them into the next piece of evidence in a way that keeps them hooked, keeps them engaged, but then also um, makes your argument in a very forceful and clear way. The last part of an essay is your conclusion, right? When we were in high school, I think a lot of us got uh, taught that the conclusion was a restatement of your thesis and a summary of what you've just written in the paper. This is great for the high school level. And it's a, a very easy, straightforward way to think about a conclusion. However, when you get to the college level, like we are now, you think about uh, the problem with writing your conclusion that way as a summary of everything you said in the paper foregoing. If you put everything into one paragraph at the end of the paper, all someone has to do then is flip to the back, read that paragraph, and they don't ever have to engage with the rest of the paper. Right? You want to give yourself space time and room to develop an argument that someone will have to walk beside you, right, as the reader through this paper to understand. When you're in college, you want to think about your conclusion as an opportunity to leave your reader with something to think about in a broader sense and uh, in a more um, expanded way. So if we're talking about the effectiveness of texts, think about what's the larger takeaway, gesture towards something that's of even greater importance um, 
than the topic at hand, right? And we'll talk a little bit about that in foregoing slides. So those are the three parts of your essay, the introduction, the body, and the conclusion. And we've discussed what their purposes are and what makes each of these parts up. Let's focus in a little bit closer on our introduction, right? So we think of the first sentence establishes the topic. And this is an example introduction um, for our unit one essay that deals with uh, judging the effectiveness of texts. First sentence, the goal of any piece of writing, whether written in school or in the media, is to effectively convince its reader of something. First sentence, I know what this paper is going to be about. It's going to be about a piece of writing and it's gonna be about the effectiveness of that writing in convincing its reader of something. First sentence, topic. Second sentence, uh, now you have the setup, or second and third sentence, rather, you have the setup. We're focusing in on what's the specific thing that I'm working with, or I'm considering, or I'm examining. A piece of writing might be considered effective if it connects with its reader emotionally and mentally, drawing them into the writer's mind. Nigerian writer and speaker Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie does just this in her 2009 TED Talk, The Danger of a Single Story. We're three sentences into the paper, and I know exactly what we're talking about, right? The general topic, the effectiveness of pieces of writing. We know the specific piece we're examining, which is a DJ's The Danger of a Single Story. And me as the reader, I now know what effective means in this context, right? You want to be able to define your terms and to give your reader any specific information they might need to fully understand your argument. Now we have our thesis. Adichie effectively convinces her reader of the single story's dangers by using personal anecdotes from different points in her life. Boom. I know this paper is going to be about you proving to me that Adichie's piece is effective, and it's effective because of these personal anecdotes. But now I want to know what personal anecdotes, right? What's the evidence? What are the three or more specific pieces you're going to pull from the TED Talk, to prove your thesis. Her stories about her childhood houseboy, her experience at an American university, and her trip as an adult to Mexico not only draw the reader in, but they provide emotional energy to her argument that convinces the reader. End of the first paragraph. I know exactly what we're going to be looking at, why we're going to be looking at it, in what order we're going to be looking at it. And you've also given me a sense, or this paragraph rather, has given me a sense of how you're going to unpack the evidence. And you'll hear this a lot, not just in your English classes, potentially in your history, government classes, sociology. It's not enough to give evidence. Right? You have to interpret that evidence. What does that mean? You give a quote, and if you give that quote without interpretation, you're not directing the reader to the important parts, to how you want them to understand this evidence. You leave it to them to try to figure out why you've put that quote in, what it means to you, and how it connects to your argumentative point. When you're interpreting evidence, you're giving us a quotation or a piece from a text, and then you're saying, here, look at this specific part. This is what I think about it. This is how it proves my argument. So then I, as the reader, can say, oh, yeah, actually, 
I see that perfectly. I totally get what you're saying. Or on the converse, I might disagree and say, well, actually, I have this different opinion of what this evidence says. So it opens up the space for dialogue about this point. Let's move on uh, to talk about our body paragraphs and our paragraph structure. Um, I don't want you to take this as a super rigid way to construct every single paragraph. I want you to think more about this as a, a set of conditions. As long as your paragraph has these things, you know it's solid, right? And you can begin to identify as you read more and more and write more and more paragraphs that don't have these things. Um, they'll feel a little disconnected or choppy, and you'll get used to reading for these kinds of things. Your first sentence of your paragraph has two parts. It's a, a topic sentence, excuse me, that has two parts. Your topic and your controlling idea. Your topic is what the paragraph is going to deal with. Your controlling idea is your specific take or your specific focus on that thing, right? It's the same thing uh, with a thesis statement, right? Uh, if we go back a couple of slides, your thesis, remember, is your topic and your comment. Um, if we're looking in our introductory paragraph, uh, Adichik effectively convinces her reader of the single story's dangers. That's the topic, right? That's what it's going to be about. That's what we're talking about. That's what I'm arguing to you, that Adichik's piece is effective, right? The comment on that is that second part, by using her personal anecdotes from different points of her life. You're setting up what the thesis is doing, and you're saying how it's doing that thing. Very similar when we're thinking about topic sentences in the beginning of paragraphs. Uh, it's going to let your reader know what this paragraph will be focusing on and how. The sentences that come after the topic sentence in a paragraph are evidence from the text, right? You're walking the reader through your evidence. You're interpreting that for your reader and pointing them to specific parts that you want them to look at and you want them to take into account how they should understand this evidence. The second to last sentence and the last sentence are going to be the relationship to the thesis and then the transition. How does this bring us back to your thesis statement, right? And what's coming up next? You always want to keep the reader looped in. You don't want them to have to guess where you're going next or feel that something has come out of left field. You want to make them perfectly aware of everything that's going on. So let's look at slide five, where we have an example paragraph. Remember, we have our topic sentence, right, in black. A DJ's use of personal stories draws the reader into her lecture, right? So the topic we're talking about in this paragraph, a DJ's use of a personal story, and now we have the controlling idea or comment, right? You're going to focus on, in this paragraph, how it draws the reader into her lecture. Now... We have to prove that point. Okay, I guess I agree with you. I, I think that she uses personal stories to draw me, the reader, into her lecture, but I don't really know. That's where you bring in your evidence. For example, she tells the reader about how in her childhood she held a single story of her family's house servant fide, that of poverty. Right. So that's going to cue the reader in. Oh, I remember that from the introduction paragraph. Right. I knew that was already coming up. Now you're going to explain that single story. Well, well, what do you mean? What single story did she hold? What does it mean to hold a single story of his quote-unquote poverty? She was surprised that he could create beautiful works of art because to her, he was simply poor. 
right? That's what she means by a single story. Okay, I do remember that. It makes total sense. Now you have to bring this back for me. You're showing me, or you told me in the first paragraph, um, that she uses these stories to draw me, the reader, into her lecture. Uh, you gave me some evidence. You explained that evidence. I don't really know how it relates to your point, right? This is where the next two sentences come in. That's your relationship to your thesis. Aditya uses this anecdote. An anecdote is just a personal story to show that she herself has held these single stories, drawing a strong emotional connection between her and her reader. She also foregrounds how impressionable we are to stories by emphasizing how she believed Fide's talent was impossible because of his poverty. And say, yeah, okay, I totally get that. Because I'm listening to this story of her as a child, I feel closer to her, I feel more connected to her. But she's also saying, hey, I'm not perfect. I've done these things too. This was a particular moment when I had bought in so heavily to this single story, I could not see how this other reality could be possible. Now we need a transition. I need you to give me a clue at the end of this paragraph to wrap this thing up about where we're going next. Aditya increases the effectiveness of her lecture by using anecdotes and personal accounts from across her life. Okay, got it. So we just got one from her childhood. And you're saying here that other stories that she uses come from places further on in her life. Well, back in the introduction, the second thing you mentioned was her experience at an American university, right? Remember that last paragraph of the, or last sentence, excuse me, of the example introduction. So that must be what's coming up next. I hope this has been helpful as you're starting to think about putting this essay together that's due in week five. There are going to be a couple of other lectures that are coming up about how to outline your essay. And then in week five, um, There'll be one specifically about editing and proofreading. That's sort of last step in the writing process.